What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Turn the Jets Live. I'm your host, Stephen Zanz, joined by my co-host, Stephen Russo. Welcome back, everybody. Season three of this show. <laughs> Stephen, how are you doing, bud? I am very good. Uh, nice week of rest last week. I was down in our, you know, favorite, one of our favorite places, LBI, Long Beach Island, New Jersey. Took the kids down there. Uh, my wife and the kids and a couple other families had a great time on the beach and then was able to actually perfect timing because the Saturday that we're leaving was actually the first open practice for the Jets. So I was able to snag four tickets. And then thanks to uh, my friend Gus on Twitter, snag a fifth. He, uh, he gave me one so my whole family of five could go. Hit up practice on the way back. It was a blast. It cut the trip, you uh, know, not in half, but it cut the trip down a little bit back home to Syracuse. So, obviously, man, vibes are high, confidence levels high. I'm feeling good. How you doing, brother? I'm feeling amazing, man. And we have to kick it off with the biggest news of the day: Aaron Rodgers taking a 35 million dollar pay cut and basically is committed to two years with this football team. What are your initial thoughts? Because this feels a lot different than what we're used to as Jeff fans. I mean, when you look at the cap hits, right, it's, I think, 9 million this year and 17 or 18 in 2024. Like, it's really just insane. And it, it feels almost too good to be true. Like, we were waiting for this since the trade actually took place. Connor Hughes felt like had the details and was like, just wait till you guys see it. You're going to be extremely impressed and, and shocked, honestly. And I think that was kind of undersold, really, by Connor. So, for Aaron to come here and to take this big of a pay cut, right, to to keep the door open, obviously to play year one and year two, and really to understand that this is his shot at a ring, it feels surreal. Um, so it's it's great. I uh, I'm I'm excited that the details came out. I think it's better than I really anticipated. Again, having those cap hits be what they are, and then you know speculation, right? You, you want to leave the door open for other guys. Garrett Wilson's moving from 17 to number five. Maybe it makes room for Devontae Adams next year, and the Jets go back to back and win two in a row. Who knows? But how does this make you feel, man? What are your thoughts, dude? I could be more excited. Everything has been. Better than I even expected, because typically, you know, the vibes are always high going into a season and then something usually happens that usually takes the wind out of ourselves to quote you. But man, like this guy wants to be here. Like everyone's like, oh, he's selfish. He doesn't care about anything else but himself. Dude, he, everything he's been saying and even his actions now that you're seeing, he's willing to take thirty five million dollars. less. That's not nothing. It's not like he mm -hmm. took like a two million dollar pay cut, which is typically what you see from these types of restructures. Dude, it is unbelievable. And the fact that we're, you know, most likely going to have it for two years and maybe longer, who knows what happens. It's, it's just money, man. I, I'm so excited. And we'll definitely have to talk a little bit about what we saw from him because you and I were both at camp actually on Saturday. Mm -hmm. I was impressed, man. I mean, like it's obviously it was padded. It was padless practice and now the pads are on, but just watching what he could do with his arm, like the flick of a wrist, watching him with like the, the nets and seeing what he was doing compared to Zach uh, Boyle and Shreveler. The guy's just throwing dart after dart after dart. He's unbelievable, man. I loved it. What'd you think? I, I really came away impressed. Um, and, and, you know, going back to right the pay cut and just kind of everything this offseason, you, you do as a Jets fan, you start to wait for like whatever bad is going to come. But it really feels kind of like they're walking on water right now and like they can do no wrong. There's just a lot of things that are going their way. And I feel like a lot of what they've done, what they've done this offseason and really, you know, since the Rodgers trade has just kind of went well right I think everything that Rogers has done everything he said we talked about it the last time we were live is you know going to the Rangers games going to the Knicks games making himself present at, at, at OTAs like all this stuff and then really you see like the video with him and sauce and him getting the chain it just 
it just feels like everybody is really embracing this and and everything is going in the Jets' favor right now and kind of like they can do no wrong. So I just love uh, the vibes that are around this organization right now, and it feels different than it normally does and, and what obviously you're used to as a Jets fan. But what I saw on Saturday, I mean, typically, you know, you kind of expect uh, the, off- the, the defense to be ahead of the offense, and I didn't really see that. I thought – from what we heard from the first few days of practice until people showed up on Saturday was that that was the case. But I think it, it flipped a bit on Saturday where you saw Rogers throwing darts. You saw Rogers fine, not so much Garrett Wilson, but he was really on Saturday connecting with Tyler Conklin. Um, you saw him connect too with Corey Davis, which I think could end up being a pleasant surprise. Like there's not too much weight or not too much expectation on Corey Davis's shoulders this year. And maybe having a guy like Aaron Rodgers will, will certainly help. And then, what you're seeing after that, and I know we're going to get into this in a bit, is really just Garrett Wilson taking off. I mean, this is a guy that obviously won Offensive Rookie of the Year, had 80 catches for 1,100 yards with a myriad of QBs back there, Zach Wilson, Mike White, and Joe Flacco. So what is he going to do with a Hall of Famer that just clearly has like the feel for the offense, the precision, like all of these skills? It's just it's going to be next level, and I it's truly so much fun to, to watch and see and read about every single day. Yeah, Garrett Wilson, man, like, um, I don't even know, like, what the, the ceiling can be right now. Like, I don't want to put, like, him in the Devontae Adams, Justin Jefferson category just yet, or even, like, you know, Tyreek Hill, Jamar Chases of the world. But if he's not there, you know, provided he stays healthy, he's going to be knocking on the door. I mean, Absolutely. the guy is just a freak show. Like, just watching what he could do with his body control, his ability to get open, just seeing how slippery he is. That was, like, the thing, like, he made so many plays last year where you're like, wow, this guy is just so hard to tackle and he always makes defenders miss. And now that he has a Hall of Fame quarterback who's going to figure out to put the ball right where it needs to be for him, you know, it's it's just like a dream come true for us. Because think about it, like as Jeff fans, when was the last time we drafted a receiver that high that actually ended up being a really good player? I mean, I guess you could say Santana Moss and Keyshawn. I know that's your boy who we've gotten into our arguments about over the years. So I've said he's he's just overrated for the draft position. Great player. I always want to be careful. But Garrett Wilson could be better than anyone we've seen. Mm-hmm. Like I, the ceiling is like limitless for him. Like I, I really don't even know how to cap it right now. It's, um, you know, the thing is like. I hate to to be this guy, but it really feels like Garrett Wilson doesn't have a weakness to his game where there were things that, listen, no shade to Santana Moss or Keyshawn Johnson at all, right? Both of them had great seasons with the Jets, but had, I won't won't say better seasons elsewhere. I think Santana did. His career was obviously longer with Washington. However, Keyshawn's top seasons were 98 and 99, but let me go past that. So Santana was was great, but with the Jets, he was undersized and always had injury concerns, right? Keyshawn didn't have injury concerns, but was a big body wide receiver and was on the slower side, right? Is there really any weakness to Garrett Wilson's game? Like when, when you honestly, objectively look at him, he is a precise route runner. He catches everything. He has insane body control. He obviously has speed. I mean, it's not Tyree Kill, Jalen, Jalen Waddle no, speed. No, but it's but speed. <laughs> it's enough speed to, to break away, right? So there really is no ceiling to his game. So I think when you're really looking this, looking at this from a Jets standpoint, like, yes, he very well could be the most talented and end up being the best Jets wide receiver we've ever seen. I definitely – I'm not that guy. I don't want to put the cart before the horse, but – what we're seeing here is really teeing up for him to have a much bigger year too. And definitely, as you said, kind of be knocking on the door at least of that conversation for what top five, top seven receiver in the NFL. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't think that's crazy. I mean, who knows? Like, he even ex- he exceeded everyone's expectations as a rookie last year. I mean, we all were excited when they picked him. We all thought he was going to be a solid player. Nobody thought he'd be an 1,100-yard receiver, especially when you think about the quarterback play that they had. Yeah. The guy is a superstar in the making, and Aaron was actually talking about him in his presser today, and he just was, you know, raving about everything about him. It's like the work ethic, the character, you know, the ability, and also just the drive, and it's like, it's it's incredible. Like, as Jeff fans, like, we have so much young talent across the board, but just to have, you know, a potential superstar at one of the most important positions to really drive the success of this team, mm-hmm. it's, it's awesome, man, and I'm so excited to watch him in the real games, even mm-hmm. though... Every day it seems like him and Rodgers are connecting in some like circus play. And it's just, I, I, I look forward to it every day. I know. And it's it's one of those things too. And I hate to use the cliche terms. I know people get go nuts with this, but the iron sharpens <laughs> iron. Like, oh yeah. But him going up against sauce every day is truly, that that truly is what it is. And now when you throw Aaron Rodgers on the offensive side of the ball, like that's definitely what it is. It was a different story last year with Zach Wilson and Flacco. Like you can't tell anyone different. So how good the defense is getting seeing this day in and day out, I think is uh, obviously there's a story in there as well. It is is really going up against the Hall of Famer every day in practice and what that yields, especially a guy that's kind of a coach on the field installing a new offense with Hackett, like all this stuff. That's obviously going to yield benefits down the road as well for this defense, which was already a, a top five defense in the league last year. Yeah. And I do – I, I mean – the other thing you want to point out too is like outside of Garrett Wilson, this offensive, like this this receiving core, this tight end group is pretty deep, right? Yeah, I mean, I mean think about it. Mims, Mims was a guy that everyone was like holding on to forever. Yes, and he's not even here anymore. No. Now there's a clear path for Badlands Savior Bromley to make the team, and it's yep. just like or the kid Gibson. Like you, you think he may yeah. stick? Like he's got some juice, but. Even like having Randall Cobb is what it is, but having a guy there that's been a steady veteran that Aaron Rodgers trust is obviously a big thing. And then you also have um, Corey Davis, who I talked about in the opening, as well as Alan Lazard, who's a big body six, five guy that's got good hands that we, you know, we haven't had in, in quite a while. You haven't had a big body wide receiver like that. And then you couple that with the tight end group, which I think is, is pretty strong. I think Conklin, we had high expectations for last year. He fell a little bit short. Um, had some problems with, you know, ball security, whatever, but I think you could really see him kind of take off. I think Garrett Wilson is clear cut. Number one is going to be number one in target share in this offense. No yes. question. But I think, you know, two, three, and four in this offense, as the year kind of shakes out and progresses is kind of going to be lumped together. Um, and definitely, you know, you sprinkle the running backs in there too. And we'll see what it looks like. But I just think that the, the offensive, uh, the offensive weapons are deep across the board. Yeah, I mean, there's really, I, I mean, obviously, we're all thinking about Dalvin Cook, who we'll talk about maybe a little bit later, but it's just like, there's no, there's no clear area where like, you know, the Jets could use another body for this skill position. I mean, like, I know Connor and Joe were talking about this, like, what are they going to do with Koontz? Like, Koontz is a developmental yeah. player who's like a freak show athlete, who I'm sure that they want to develop over time, but he you makes that on the practice. practice yeah. You can't, especially if they want to have Bowden, which it makes sense when you think about Rogers' history with the Packers, they always had a guy like, Kuhn and then that guy Rutkowski or whoever mm-hmm. and that's something that's super important to what he likes to do and he, he definitely uses the fullback at least in the past game a lot more than most quarterbacks do it's kind of like the Shanahan system what they've done and also stuff they've done in Baltimore as well but like it's just crazy man like this team is just loaded everywhere the only area that I have I have concern right now is linebacker I just think they're a little bit short there but we don't need to talk about that just yet because <laughs> They do have two solid starters, but it's really the third guy that I'm a little worried mm-hmm. about. But I do want to transition to an area that 
there is a lot of players, you know, in terms of who's battling, but at the same time, we have no idea who are being bookends. So who do you think is going to start a tackle? Because we had Bakai Becton, who it's everyone thought got benched yesterday at practice, but it sounded like they were managing his reps. Who knows? It's coach speak. Things could change day to day. But, you know, he hasn't really been playing with the ones. Then you had Dwayne Brown, who I think they're probably trying to manage him a little bit because he's 38 years old at this mm-hmm. point. And I don't blame them. You know, he's coming off a shoulder injury. He was really good last year when he did play. But and then, you know, you have Max Mitchell, you have Kajus, and then you also have Billy Turner. It's like, who are going to be the starting tackles in opening day? I have no idea. We know the interior, even though it's, it could flip-flop between Tipman and McGovern. But, like, who are these tackles going to be? Yeah, it's a very good question. And obviously, uh, Dwayne Brown being out for the first few practices kind of, you know, leaves uh, everything open to the imagination. So when you when you saw it, right, right when we were there on Saturday, it was Billy Turner starting at left tackle and match mix, Max, Max Mitchell, sorry, starting at right tackle. So is that going to be what it is? And, you know, who knows? I think it's still too early to tell. But when September rolls around and the first game rolls around, I got a feeling and I go back to and Joe and Connor talk about this all the time is. I think coaches like floors a lot more than ceilings. They so do. when it all, when it's all said and done, I think you're going to see Dwayne Brown at left tackle and Max Mitchell at right. And I think, you know, that's good. I mean, Mekhi Becton, you know, having to work and, 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 you know, earn his spot on the right side, I think is a good thing. Um, but ultimately I think that uh, from what we're hearing kind of early on in camp is that, you know, some people are blown by him. He's not really doing that. He's in great shape. Obviously he looks amazing, which credit to he him. Does. But you still got to perform on the field. So I just think what Max Mitchell did last year, um, kind of an emergency really. And the fact that he exceeded expectations, I think the coach is going to like that more. So I think it shakes out with, uh, with Dwayne Brown on the left and Max Mitchell on the right. What do you think, brother? Yeah, I, I feel similarly. It's just it's so hard to predict. There's so much time left in the preseason. And obviously the Hall of Fame game is a week from, I guess, depending on when you're listening to this, it's either a uh, to- week from tomorrow, a week from today, if you're listening tomorrow. Um, so I, I have no idea. I mean, I could see, you know, the staff specifically hack it, you know, gravitating towards a guy like Billy Turner. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that is if there's comfort, he's coached him before he knows what to expect. I mean, that would not make us happy. Like, I think that's kind of boring, but you know, if they feel it's a safer option because he knows the system, they can rely on him. He's, you know, he's a veteran. I get it. But to me, the, the hope would be is that Becton is, you know, he gives up this whole, I'm a left tackle only. I want to play on the left side and, you know, we'll convert to the right side. And Dwayne Brown wins a job with Max Mitchell being the guy who could fill in at any time. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm hoping. But do I think that's going to happen? Probably not. I think Becton is probably going to be a reserve player unless you know, he just balls out the rest of the camp. Yeah. And I mean, the the dream is, right, that Becton starts on the right, that he earns the job, that he returns to form he was in 2020. And, you know, you got him and AVT on the right side of the just pancaking guys as they clear the way for Brees and Michael Carter and Bam Knight and Izzy, right? Like that's that's the dream. But right now, I mean, you can't say that that's the reality because unfortunately, Becton, as good as he looks, you know, physically, He's coming back from two lost seasons, and right now it seems like he's kind of a turnstile, which, you know, you're, you're that's not going to win you the job. So you want to go start at left tackle. I mean, you're going to have tough tr- tough time finding a starting spot on either side right now. Yeah, I mean, look, it's like I said, there's still so much time left in this in this um, training camp and obviously yeah. preseason. We're really not going to know for a while, and that's totally fine. Hopefully everything plays itself out. We don't have any major injuries, and, you know, we're not playing the O-line Tetris, as Connor likes to call it, throughout the season. You know, moving ABT to the outside, 
having yeah. um i guess feeny who is not here anymore we have joe tippman to replace that amazing hair but <laughs> i just want there to be consistency like think about how much shuffling there's been in the offensive line in the mm-hmm. last like five years it's like yeah continuity is so important in that position when you think about the great jet teams in 2009 and 2010 that was basically a stalwart for that team like Everyone was always playing the, with the lone exception when Woody got hurt, I think, at the end of the 2010 run. And yep. Wayne Hunter came in, who we all thought was going to be good because he was solid in the playoffs. Who yeah. ended up being one of the biggest disasters we've ever seen at the right True. side. Yeah. But it just goes to show you, offensive line is so important. And I really hope the Jets carry as many as they can because we need to have depth there based on what we've seen with this team the last and, five years. Yeah, and I mean... Give credit to Douglas and Sala because I really feel like they've beefed up the trenches. I mean, it's going to be very interesting to see how it plays out with both offensive and defensive line because they have a lot of guys on both sides of that. So really, yeah, you bring up an interesting point because if you're truly going to play the best five, like is AVT best suited at guard? Absolutely. But when you're talking about playing the best five, do they kick him to tackle because he's a better option than both Makai and Max Mitchell, and then you play either a McGovern or a Tipman at guard and start the other at center. Like, those are very interesting conversations to have, and it'll be very um, uh, interesting to see how it plays out over the course of this summer. But I would think that from everything I've heard, and I'm not an offensive line guru, but from everything I've heard, ABT <laughs> is great, obviously, across the board, but has serious all-pro all pro and Hall of Fame potential at guard. So you want to keep him where he's best. However, you know, they may have different thoughts. Who's uh, who's the new offensive line coach? The guy from Tennessee. Uh, why can't I think of his um, name? Isn't it Keith Carter? Keith Carter. Yes. Thank you. He may have he may have different ideas. But what I will say though is I do feel much better about their depth this year than I did going into last year. Last year, obviously, it was it was Tetris. It was musical chairs at that position. This year, if it ends up being that, I do feel better about the depth that they do have. Yeah, totally. Before we move into our next topic, a tweet just came across my desk. Did you? See, I don't know if you've seen this. It came out about an hour ago. But Aaron Rodgers' cap hit in 2023 for the Packers is 40.3 million, and for the Jets, 8.8 million. Think about that. Isn't that crazy? How I, is that even possible? I don't know, but I love how down bad the Packers fans are about this. Like you just you lost. Like you took an L. Just take it and move on. That's it. it listen. I, I get it. They they have an emotional attachment to the guy. He wasn't the fans aren't the reason he wanted to leave. It was the front office. Exactly. He loves the fans. He loves the city. It's just they weren't building around him the way he wanted. And it seems like the Jets with this restructure have said to him, you know, we're gonna do whatever we can to maximize yeah. this roster and this window. And it it it's just it's such Tom Brady and Tampa vibes. I hate saying yes. that because I hate Tom Brady, but it just feels <laughs> it like is. it. And I it I'm sure you saw the Jeff Darlington tweet calling him Big Apple Aaron, which I think I'm surprised nobody's coined and made a shirt. I, I kind of like that. Uh, I didn't see that. I know. I, I think uh, Joe and Connor have to add that to the Badlands merch. So we'll we'll <laughs> we'll talk we'll talk about that later. And, but, yeah, uh, I mean, you also got guys like Jordan Whitehead that came from Tampa that are coming here and saying like this has Tom Brady vibes when he got to Tampa Bay. Like that's so it, it's it's good to see, man. I think this is uh. It's going to be a fun season. Uh, like It's really fun to have true expectations, and we are yes. truly looking forward to September and not with tempered expectations. Like Obviously, we're all reserved because we're Jets fans, what we're going to do, but this feels like th- this could be a year where we could really make a run, and th- this it could be it. I mean, who knows? Yeah, listen. Could be. We could be talking in, in February. I'm, listen. <laughs> celebrating stop, a Super Bowl. Va- I'm just – I'm saying it's on the table. It is a realistic possibility. I'll, I'll just say this. I'm not worried about the going O for September anymore. And that, that's definitely <laughs> a nice be. monkey that's gotten off the back. I, I you would say? hope so, man. Jesus. <laughs> I mean, listen, the, the bar was so low and the bar is certainly been raised, thankfully. Um, and, and, you know, that's the other, like, 
I don't I don't want to digress too much here, but like the Jets checked off a lot of boxes last year. Like at TOJ at Badlands, like we had a lot of those things. September wins, divisional wins, like all that stuff. And the Jets did it last year. And they did it and went seven and ten. And we're in the thick of a playoff race with Zach Wilson, Mike White, and Joe Flacco. Right. Yep. Credit to the team, credit to the coaching staff. Like not nothing happens in a vacuum, but realistically look at it and say, what's what's the record in those 10 losses if Aaron Rodgers is a quarterback? Is it at like at worst five and five, six and four, seven and three? So then like how do you know what I mean? Like, how does that translate? So for every other fan out there that wants to knock us down, like when we're on a little bit of a high here, like forget it. Like, come on. I mean, if Aaron Rodgers was on this roster last year, I don't care which Aaron Rodgers, I don't care if it was 22, 20, 21, I don't care if it was his third year in the league when he first started. Like we're winning 10 games. At least. At least. Yeah. That's so of course we're excited. Like, not again, there's no guarantees. Who knows what happens? The defense could die, could could regress. Like, who knows? But having Aaron Rodgers on this team changes everything. It gives you a shot, and that's all we've been asking for as fans. <laughs> Basically, dating back to 2011 when that's they, it. you know, they were a quarter away from going to the Super Bowl, and yeah. we finally have a chance. Whether it works out remains to be seen, but the Jets are going to be able to beat any team on their schedule. There, it's Absolutely. never that's never been the case since 2010, and- where I felt that confident. And the thing is, like, the game has changed since then, right? So even, you know, a Jets team with the number one defense and number one rushing attack with Mark Sanchez, who was a mediocre second-year QB in that time, could go toe-to-toe with with uh, Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers. Well, the game has changed where it's so quarterback-centric right now, but exactly to your point, like, that's how you feel. You feel that they could go into Arrowhead and steal a game in, in January to beat Patrick Mahomes simply because you have Aaron Rodgers. If Aaron Rodgers yep. goes in and plays out of his mind like he's been known to do, you can pull that off. And that's all you ask for is a shot. For it's sure. hard to win a Super Bowl. Like it's it's not easy, right? But all you ask for is a shot. And with Aaron Rodgers, that's it. That's what you get. You get a shot. There's a chance. Yeah. Listen, you know the whole thing from Dumb and Dumber. So you're saying there's a chance. There's <laughs> yes. definitely a chance. And yes. listen, a lot of football, you have all the games to be played. You got to get through camp. I mean, I think one thing you touched on, which is interesting, and I've been thinking about this a lot, is just the defense. Like, they were very lucky in terms of health last year. And uh-huh. you know that somebody is going to go down. I, I don't want to wish that, but like it's just the nature of football. And they were very fortunate with that luck. But at the same vein, you know, they weren't turning the ball over. So you know that that's going to bounce the other way, especially yeah. with the way, you know, teams are going to be playing against the Jets. Think about it. They never felt threatened by the passing game the le- last year. I mean, they didn't. Probably felt more threatened when Mike White or Joe Flacco was playing. But when Zach was playing, they were like, okay, we could, we could do whatever we want because they can't score enough points, especially in the red zone. But now with Rodgers, teams actually feel like they need to air it out a little bit more and take more chances, which is going to give you know the corners and the safeties more opportunities to make a play and mm-hmm. hopefully force some turnovers. And you would think with all the depth in the rotation of the defensive line that they'll force some fumbles on some of these sacks. And I do think the sack goal is going to go up by a lot. Yeah, I, I would agree. And I think this has been something that we've talked about quite a bit. I think it's one of my biggest fears is a, a, a serious regression from the defense um, because I really – it was uh, alarming how much other teams down the stretch last year dinked and dunked in the middle of the field simply because yep. they knew they could. Um, and that was obviously a weakness in the Jets' defense. But then the other the thing that you have to combat that with is exactly to your point, which is how much did the lack of offense and offensive firepower that the Jets had contribute to that and to the game plans that these other teams came through with, right? So yep. does how much does Aaron Rodgers change that? Like, it's yeah, it's easy to hold on to a lead and dink and dunk to your tight ends when the Jaguars are up 16-3 and there's no threat of the Jets, you know, scoring a touchdown with Chris Strebler. 
is that the same when you know you're down 17 to 7 and Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback on the other side of the ball right like then exactly what you said is you know you're gonna have to take more shots you can't dink and dunk your way to that so but definitely the injury thing is something I mean that's just that's nature of the beast that's something that's gonna happen the Jets were extremely healthy last year on the uh on the defensive side of the ball so that's unfortunately and we've already seen it now with Chuck Clark who I think was gonna be a big part of this defense yeah, and that's a great segue because I want to talk about a guy that's getting a lot of hype in camp, and that man is Tony Adams. So one of the things that I saw on Saturday, and I know a lot of people on the beat have been saying this, I know you felt this way as well, is Tony Adams is standing out, and in a good way, because you know he's an undrafted free agent last year. He made the team during the final cut day, which was impressive because you know not that many guys who are undrafted in their rookie season typically make rosters. They may make a practice squad. They may get claimed. But the guy came in, he was signed, and he made the team. And he wasn't expected to be a starter this year. It was most probably going to be a depth piece. And you would imagine if there was injury, he was going to be in line to start. But he's playing his way into the job, even with the signing of Adrian Amos. It seems like they feel comfortable with Tony Adams being that guy. I know he picked off Rodgers, I think, yesterday in practice. So he's clearly capable of making plays. What do you think about Tony Adams so far? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, Joe kind of says it best where he's like, you really can't say Tony Adams' name without also coupling that with the coaching staff really loves this guy. And that's what it seems like. And I, what I will say is that I, you know, I don't think you sign Adrian Amos to ride, to ride the pine, but at the same time, like, I think there's ways to get them both on the field, but it seems like Tony Adams is really impressing. So, yeah, I mean, I think there's a very clear path for him to start, especially with, uh, I think Salah made a comment either today or yesterday in his presser kind of alluding to that, like, yeah, like the cat's out of the bag or something like that, where I just think the defensive coaches really like this guy. So I think he's going to get the chance to start, but I also think they'll also find a way for uh, Adrian Amos to get on the field. And the one overarching thing that I will say is even after the Chuck Clark injury, I feel better about this safety group than I did last year. Like the coupling, the coupling of Adams and, and Amos, as opposed to just LaMarcus Joyner and Ashton Davis, who, I mean, that guy has made a tough one. I don't know how the <laughs> hell he's still going to do it, but we know that comes September we're going to be still... Yeah, but even that, like, anyway, um, I just feel better about the, co- uh, I feel better about the group, this group as a better this year than I did last year about the safety group. I think that was my biggest concern last year was how Joyner was going to hold up. He made some plays. He got some picks early on. I think they faltered down the stretch with him. Um, I think Whitehead didn't really play up the snuff either, but I think getting him a better running mate will obviously uh, lead to an improved year from him. So it's a non-answer answer. I think Adams has a clear path. I think that's probably the more likely outcome, but at this point, I think we're still unsure. Listen, when it comes to the defense, I trust Salah and I trust Ulbrich to develop these players. I know that they were the yeah. butt of jokes. I think before, uh, you know, I guess it was like the Pittsburgh game or Cincinnati game when they, you know, everything kind of like clicked for the defense, but, they seem to have a good eye in terms of who are the right guys for this defense, who are the guys that they could develop. And I love that Tony Adams is young, man. He's, what is he, 24 years old? And, like, mm-hmm. who knows? He could just be that guy that we were hoping, you know, Chuck Clark could be. And, you know, I don't know if Chuck Clark is under contract for next year. I believe he might be. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if Tony Adams plays his way into this job and that's what his job to keep, who knows? They can have a lot more flexibility with what they want to do from a cap perspective. You know, they obviously want to make some final additions, I think, with the $16 million that they have after the Rodgers restructure. But what what's so bad about having a safety on the cheap, especially considering there's always a discourse about paying safeties anyway? And, yeah. You know, they're paying Whitehead a decent amount of money. I mean, it's not like Jamal Adams' money, but, you yeah. know, it's good to have a guy on a minimum contract. 
I mean, it could have, we talked about him before the show. Like, it could be end up being a guy like Kerry Rhodes, who had no expectation. I mean, the guy was a fourth round pick out of Louisville, came out in year one, was a starter, and was probably one of the Jets' best safeties ever. I mean, him, you know, listen, as much shade as we throw at Jamal Adams, like he was very good. But Kerry Rhodes is in that conversation. Like, he was a very good safety yeah. from 05 to 09, like a, a very good one. I mean, he didn't do many things uh, poorly. He was a, he was a ball hawk. He played the run well. He could tackle. Like, so when you're talking about guys like that, I mean, it's it's unexpected. He's an undrafted free agent, but if he comes out and and shows up and earns a starting spot, hey, more power to him, and even better for the Jets. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, we'll see. Um, I want to transition to the running back spot because there's been a lot of buzz about you know when's Brees coming back? You know, are they going to make an addition to the room? But we're going to start with Brees because. You know, he's been the guy that everyone's been so giddy about because it was like the one that got away because he really started to, you know, turn on the Jets, if you will, and uh, (laughs) become a guy that we all were just like, you know, salivating about, especially, you know, in the Packer game when he had that crazy run where he basically ran in front of their entire defense and they had that amazing run against the Broncos where he ultimately got hurt later in that game. But like, when do you think he's going to be activated off the PUP list? I think... I'm hoping soon because you've heard all the good reviews. You've heard he's been running really fast when they track him on the GPS. You know, he's working off to the side. I was watching him. He looked good, you know, when he was doing all the drills on the side of the field. But, like, do we think he's going to come back after the Hall of Fame game? Do we think it's going to maybe be for the, you know, the final preseason game to get him some reps so he knows it's like to be in a game again? When do you think he's going to come back? Uh, It's so hard to say with these things. I would, you know, my – my gut instinct says, you know, maybe like early to mid August, they bring him back off the pup list and he, and he gets it back into practices. I think ultimately, I think the concern is, is he ready for week one? And I think he will be, I think he will be on a limited basis though, right? Where he's not ramping up until probably weeks three, four or five, something around there, late September, early October. But Hey, like, I, I think we mentioned this before, like maybe he's a freak like Adrian Peterson and maybe his body just heals faster and he could get, just get back to form and, and be totally fine. But I don't think this lingers into the season. I think you'll probably, yeah, maybe after week one of the preseason, he gets back off the pup, he's back practicing, and then they kind of ramp him up as we get ready for week one. Um, but you're still probably going to see him in a limited role. And I think, you know, we'll see how the rest of the running back room, that's another one that's going to be very interesting. they got a lot of horses there and a lot of guys that have kind of different stories with with how their uh, 2022s played out and what their story is for 23. So what are your thoughts on Brees, though? What do you think, man? So I think – He'll probably get activated, I think, probably mid-August, maybe like around the first the first real preseason game, not the Hall of Fame game. But again, they could be extra costly with him. And I, I don't know. I mean, I like Michael Carter, you know, getting more reps. I know we were all disappointed with his year too, but it seems like things are trending well for him. He spoke, you know, yesterday to the media, and I felt like he handled himself really well. He admitted that, you know, the drafting of Brees Hall definitely, uh, you know, affected him. But then when Brees went down and they signed James Robinson or traded for James Robinson, he was really kind of taken aback. And I think he was playing, you know, a little bit like upset. And I think now he understands that he has a role in this football team and he wants to seize every opportunity that he gets. And I'm, I'm just excited to see because I think they're going to rotate all the backs. I mean, obviously, if Brees is like, you know, they feel like he's like 100 percent or, you know, he's close as he can be to 100 percent. He's going to get a bulk of the work. But like. They do have a nice stable with, you know, Bam, who showed us something last year. And obviously Izzy, who everyone's super excited about. I mean, it seems like he was like potentially a steal in the fifth round. But mm-hmm. um, I, I think mid-August is probably where we're going to net out with this. Yeah, I agree. And I, I I guess what I like about the running back room is that it is diverse, right? Like I think Brees is an animal and, you know, on his own. Like he's just nobody is that fast and that big 
and the way that he can just get to the outside and beat everybody, I think is insane. Michael Carter has kind of that short area quickness and is really good in the, in the passing game. Um, I think Bam is a little more similar to Brees, but obviously not to that level. And I think Izzy just has that breakaway speed. So I like the fact that the, the running back room is not really redundant and that they have kind of multiple facets to that positional group. But again, like, are they going to keep four? Who knows? Like, how how is that going to play out? We don't know. It's it's going to be. Yeah, well, yeah I don't man. know. It's it's going to be interesting when cut day comes and we're always really excited to see who ends up making the team who gets stashed on the practice squad, especially now with the way the practice squad works, because mm-hmm. you could have guys who normally wouldn't be eligible because I think it's a amount of years of service. But you can got, you could actually stash veterans, yep. but uh, it's, it's definitely going to be interesting. And that's going to lead us to another running back who's been very much in the news for the Jets. And that's Dalvin Cook. Especially when you see the 16 million that the Jets have just cleared with this Rogers structure, like is he on the way? He's been, you know, he's been saying that the Miami's never offered him a contract. He's been, you know, kind of like teasing Jet fans by like following people on Twitter who have to do with the Jets, whether it's Woody Johnson or you know some of the other players and liking stuff that has to do with the Jets. But he's doing the same thing for the Dolphins. Do you think he's actually going to come here? I, I don't really do. I don't really think so. But what do you think? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, my my thoughts are 50-50. Like clearly, I. I'm not one of those guys that's like, I, and I don't want to be like, if you remember, I hate to equate it to this, but like, we were all happy with like Bryce Hall and we were like, why did, why do we need another corner? Like oh Bryce God. Hall is great. Right. So like that's, I guess I'm equating it to that because it's like, listen, if you get a chance to add a guy with this kind of talent level, like figure it out and fine, do it. Like I get it. If you have, uh, if you're refraining from wanting to sign the guy because of the troubled off the field issue, like I, I understand that. And that doesn't sit yeah. well with me either. That's the, the that was the hesitation about Tyreek Hill as well, but from a talent level perspective and just adding fuel to this team, like why wouldn't you want to add that? So I'm still probably 50 50. I do think it comes down to the Jets and the Dolphins with the edge going to Miami, but all this stuff we hear is that Miami really isn't wanting to pony up the dough because they know that he wants them. So I, you know, I really don't know. I think it's 50 50. I wouldn't be shocked either way, but to anyone that's hesitant about adding him because of anything but on field. Like it, I, like I don't, if, I, if he's available, put him on the team. He adds something to the running back room. I don't think that anyone is, you know, anti bringing Dalvin cook in here as you know, from an on field perspective, I could understand the off field stuff because yeah. like, we don't, we don't know what's going on with that. And if it's anything of that, if anything of that nature is true regarding him, you know, I would stay away with him, stay away from him as, as quickly as you can. But yeah. like, Having a guy of his caliber, whether you know he's not in his prime anymore, he's clearly taken a beating. Even though he made four straight Pro Bowls and was still really good last year, yeah. despite the fact that the, the Vikings were willing to move off him. But I think it was more for salary purposes, and as you're seeing with the running back market, because that's been a disaster in its own right. But we don't have to talk about that because it's beyond the Jets right now. Mm-hmm. But to me, when you have the ability to add, you know, more skill position players, whether it's pass catchers, running backs, you do it. And he has the ability to be a guy who can catch passes out of the backfield. And he's been awesome, you know, through his first five years of his career. So for me, like, it's a no-brainer. The question is, is like, is he asking for too much money? Is he using us as leverage? I don't know. I mean, there was that little rumor on Twitter from Craig Carton saying that he's meeting with the Jets on Sunday. Who knows if that's true? I don't know. Craig has definitely been a little more hit in this when it comes to, you know, his sources, I guess. Definitely more missed than hit, yeah. <laughs> he kept saying for a long time that the Jets were never getting Aaron Rodgers. And, and that he was going to San Fran and all that stuff, yeah. Yeah, so to me, like, it's from a football perspective, this is, you got to do this if you can. And especially if the price is right. Now you have $16 million in cap space. 
who knows that maybe they swing a trade that we don't know about for a player in another position. I don't know, but like, it's a no brainer to me. He's, he's awesome. And I'd love to have him on this team. Yeah. And I mean, with the salary cap, what it is in the space they have, like, yeah. going back, like the OBJ conversation we were having over the summer, like I, I get it. The Ravens overpaid, but shit, it's not my money. you add obj to that mix of receivers like it makes your team completely different it adds obviously depth it adds talent so the same conversation goes with dalvin cook so if if he's willing to come here and the money is you know on the i don't know close to reasonable why wouldn't you do it is he (laughs) listen you know outside of Brees hall outside of a healthy Brees hall is dalvin cook the best running back on in the jets locker room um Yes, I, so, I would say, yeah. So you add him. That like that's if, if you have the chance to, you add him. He he makes your team better, and that's the that's I think that's a simple explanation. Agreed. So I'm you know where we stand on this from a football <laughs> perspective. We want to make that yeah, very clear. Exactly. If any yeah, of that legal stuff ever gets shed to light and there's more yeah. details, no, I don't want anything to do with the guy. The alleged um, activity we don't <laughs> condone here on Toj Live. Yes, we do not condone that behavior. <laughs> um, Here's a fun one that I think a few people might be like, why are you guys talking about this? But <laughs> the Jets don't have a, backup, a real backup quarterback that we know of. But Zach is actually, believe it or not, and I will say from what I saw on Saturday, he looked pretty good and the reports have been pretty good. But when it comes to him, you know, it's it's a lot different when, you know, it's practice versus when the bullets are flying in an actual game. But, like, they signed Tim Boyle. They have Strebler. Teddy Bridgewater is out there. You never know. He could potentially be available if they wanted to sign him as a backup. If Zach continues to have a good camp and a team is willing to give you, I don't know, let's just, this is a crazy thing and I'm, I'm probably going to get shit for this, but like, <laughs> what if a team offered the Jets a third round pick? I don't think that this would happen. I'm not saying it would happen, but if in the event that it did, you got to do that. I, I I mean, this guy, like, I don't care that they took him the second pick. His value is like nothing right now. It doesn't matter. And I'm sure they're going to, you know, put, pump out those narratives, but like, should they trade him? I mean, Tim Boyle being the backup is scary, just as scary as Zach, but like he's actually started. It's not like he's a complete unknown. And Zach, from what we've seen, just doesn't know how to read a defense or you know complete a, a short pass. But it's something to have to consider if someone's willing to give us a third round pick. It's not. It's probably not going to happen. <laughs> yeah. And I okay. So in your scenario, if someone's willing to give up a third round pick for Zach, you absolutely one hundred percent pull the trigger. There's no questions asked. In a in a real world, right? If if the compensation is less than that, if he looks good in preseason and and you get a fifth or a sixth or whatever, I think what the compensation is obviously uh, gives you the answer, but also what the next backup plan is. Like, do you feel confident with Tim Boyle being number two, or do you go out and get a Teddy Bridgewater or someone else that has starting experience, not a Flacco? We we can't have that again. Um, but yeah, I mean, listen, if the compensation is is more than you would expect, if it's a four or a three, I think you absolutely jump all over that. I think. <clears throat> Kind of Zach could end up being a feel-good story here, but I, I do just really think in my heart of hearts, like this is this is nice, it's all well and good. He gets to learn from his 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 hero and and all this, but in reality, I don't think there's a long-term future here for Zach Wilson and the Jets. I think if he's going to succeed, it's gonna to have to be a, with a fresh start somewhere else. Yeah, and right. rumor size was actually saying this on Boomer and Geo. I think it was yesterday, it might have been today, I'm not sure. That there is a path for him to having that Gino like resurgence. You never know. I mean, yeah. If he went, if he went to a guy like Kyle Shanahan and like apparently they loved him, they would have taken him. If we didn't, mm-hmm. like, do you think his career trajectory would be a lot different? I, I personally do think it would be. Probably. I think he would have looked a lot better because Kyle can make like any quarterback look good. I mean, look at Brock yeah. Purdy, and maybe Brock Purdy's legitimately good. He was like, 
you know, he was a solid college quarterback. He actually had some higher, you know, upside from a draft perspective buzz earlier in his career. Then he had a down year that made him slip to Mr. Relevant. But like, I don't know, man, if someone's willing to offer something more like, I guess a fifth round pick, it's like, you kind of have to think about it. He's like, is this really worth it? Do you want to maybe just hold out hope that he could develop from post Rogers? But yeah. If someone's offered the round pick, I would take that. You take it, Harvey. Absolutely. <laughs> no question. But yeah. Um, so we're doing some closing thoughts, and this has been awesome. We have our new format. I hope everybody's enjoyed it. We appreciate everybody's tuned in this week. And you know, we'll be going all the way through the season. We'll have some plenty of guests. Um, how excited are you for hard knocks? I know that there's been a mixed discourse about it, but I'm so excited. I don't care what anybody says. Not me. I mean, any more access that I can get to the NFL, let alone my favorite team, obviously I'm going to take it. I mean, the 2010 season of hard knocks was just so incredible. And I, I can't like, I, I think back to, to some of that stuff and, and let's go get a goddamn snack and, and all that stuff. And then, <laughs> I do remember too, like that was obviously the year that, that, uh, that Revis held out. And I think the, like the last part of the last episode was Rex, like this guy comes up to practice and he, you know, he's in the, the huddle and he's like, Oh, look at this. Probably some, you know, slap dick, uh, special teamer or whatever. And turns out it's Revis. Like it was just incredible. So I am, uh, I'm obviously a big fan of hard knocks. I, uh, and especially when it's my team. So I love it. I can't wait for it. I think it's going to be awesome. I think that the jets do an incredible job with one jets drive as well. I think their social media team is just best in class uh to be honest mm -hmm. with you so yeah i am really looking forward to it i'm looking forward to this season and uh it's gonna be awesome and not to i'll kick it back over to you with hard knocks but i do also want to touch on uh the retro jersey release and how awesome oh yes so go I ahead mean, there's there's so much to talk about that i like completely like yeah. botched that right now but yes i'm excited for hard knocks and the retro jerseys, man, they got it right. And the fact, not even just that, they're putting the logos back on the field, which is even better. Incredible. Because having to see the stupid NFL logo in the middle of the stadium Hated was the it. dumbest thing ever. I never understood it. Mm -hmm. I get it. They shared a stadium. But, like, the Chargers and, and, um, and the Rams shared a stadium. They didn't do that. Yep. Dude, these jerseys. And I, I thought about wearing it for the show because mine came in a day. And everyone's like, do you live next to the distribution center? Do you work for Nike shop? Do you, like, do you know Woody Johnson personally? All the responses to my tweet were hilarious. I appreciate all of you for giving me some comedic relief yesterday. Uh, they are as beautiful as you are hoping for. So when you get yours, you will all be super excited. I love it. I will be wearing it to opening night when they play Buffalo on Monday night. It's, it's amazing. amazing. I'm getting crap from people. Like, why would you buy the Garrett Wilson jersey? He's changing his number next year, blah, blah, blah. Because it's Garrett. Listen. Yes, there's a couple <laughs> reasons. Number one, I'm number seven is my favorite number. So when Gino was wearing that, I was pumped because I'm also a West Virginia alumni. He was there when I was there. I, it didn't work out, whatever. But 17, like I like any number that has seven in it. So like I love that. And we also don't know if they're going to re-release them next year. They may come out with different jerseys that I could get a Garrett Wilson five in that. The yep. fact this could be like a one-year release. I don't know. So the, just having it is amazing. So I, I don't care what anybody has to say. I, I'm with you, dude. You you get what you want, and that Garrett is clean. Like I I love it. The whole I mean, they got it right. I really hope that they go back in 2024 to some variation of that 80s, early 90s jersey. I think it was the best one. I think you know when I think back on it, like I really loved when Parcells changed the uniforms. I just felt like he had to do it just to kind of clean the losing off of them and like switch it up. Yes. However. Now, when you look back on it, you're like, man, those jerseys were so sick, especially when you kind of get back to the Kelly Green and like 
So I'm currently in a little bit of a battle here in the Russo household. My wife, <laughs> I really want to get a sauce one. My wife thinks I'm cursed. Like every jersey that I buy of a current player ends up being not very good. Like they get traded away. I mean, that's just how the uh, how that's how sports work. But it's how the NFL works. I got some some duds in the closet, we'll say. But uh, I may go sauce. I may go uh, the the Revis looks pretty nice too. So that would be an easy one to do. But I got to get at least one of them because they are they're pristine. Dude, just get a sauce. I I don't even know. Like, like this isn't even up for debate. Like, I bought a sauce green last year, and I was telling myself I'm trying not to buy jerseys because, like you said, I've gotten burned. My sister got me a Jamal Adams for, in February 2020 before they traded for Oof. my birthday. Had the tags on, never wore it. Had a, <laughs> I, I had two Sam Darnolds. I had the yep. new one in white, and then I had his rookie season green. I Dude. It, it, I know. Who cares, man? I bought like, I bought my kids just T-shirts. Jack had an Elijah Moore, and Grace got a Zach Wilson. It's like, oh boy, those are. Even, <laughs> it's like, wow, what am I gonna do here? And like, I mean, I want to get Jack one, but at the same time, like, man, do I, I don't know if I want to curse these curse these vibes kids, are curse different these, these days. Vibes are different these my, days. My wife I'm, Stephanie, she even says she's like, sauce is really good, Steve. Do you want him to have a bad year? And I'm like, <laughs> she thinks that I'm gonna curse him. What am I supposed to do? As if there are a million other Jeff fans that haven't bought the jersey already. You know, you know it's what? Like, you're speaking. Like <laughs> you can't do like that. A, you're, like you're, a using, you're, using, you're using logic. That's not what we're talking about here. This is well, the, this is juju. This is you know this is superstition. That's what sports is about. Oh, I, I mean, I definitely am superstitious. I mean, like if something I'm wearing is working, I will wear it on game day. So I, yeah, if I, the Garrett jersey, they don't win that. I'm not gonna wear it in, until yeah, <laughs> exactly until you reset and you cycle through a couple other jer- a couple other shirts or something. Yeah, but I got. I mean, I gotta. I gotta. Sanchez, I got a Sean Green, I got a Santonio. I obviously had a Keyshawn back in the day. Yeah. The best one I probably had was Mo Lewis. I got him in like fourth grade, and he was yeah. the he retired a jet. Like that was fantastic, you know. So yeah, not anyway. many guys retire jet. Not anymore, many guys, yeah. So that was hope uh, that some of these guys do. But uh, but anyway, I think I think Woody and the Jets got it right. It goes back to what I said in the opening. I think everything they've done, it's like they're walking on water. It's just it feels like everything they touch is gold right now. So ride that as long as you can. Of course. Uh, any closing thoughts before we wrap our first episode of season three, which is crazy to think. I know, man. Good to be back. Back and better than ever. I feel good. It was uh, it was fun to get out, fun to get back with you uh, and, and do the show, man. I'm excited. It's uh, obviously a really good time here, so it's good to just chop it up with you. Yeah, it's been great. Uh, if you have not, make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel, which has changed since the last time you probably heard us. It's youtube.com slash at Badlands TOJ. So not only are you going to be getting our show, you'll be getting some snippets from Badlands if you're not actually somebody who subscribed on Patreon, which is awesome. You'll also be just getting random other nuggets from you know the, the War Room feed that Joe and Connor are putting together. Even Dan, who's been awesome with Buck the Trend, highly recommend to listen to that. Uh, also make sure to subscribe on Spotify, Apple, or Amazon, wherever you your podcasts. Turn on the Jets Live. That's all you have to search. Um, and also now with our new feature, because we have a new uh, streaming service, you will be able to watch this on Twitter as well. So if you follow me on Twitter, you'll be able to see this live and you don't even have to go on another platform. It's pretty cool. So we appreciate everybody who's tuned in and we look forward to talking to you guys next week.